Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back, you health renaissance people. Okay, today we're going to be talking about reversing knee degeneration and literally restoring the meniscus. Um, before we get into the meat of this, we've got just two more weeks <clears throat> before Cal Jam. So, and, and if you want to save 20% off of amazing speakers, we're looking at um, Neil Cohen, Patrick Jim Tempo, Robert Kennedy, Joss Axe. I mean, we're talking top, top people. And the code you get on there, go to CaliforniaJam.org, and it's Bergman20, Bergman20, just like my name, and you'll save 20% off. Also, go to Extreme Health Academy. The code word there is Bergman14, so you get a chance to get 20 bucks off, um, or, or actually two weeks for free. So that's ideal. And we have uh, two months left. We only have five cabins left, at, um, and it's April 14th through the 23rd. We begin and end in Athens, 12 hours of continuing credit. So you can go to the drjohnbergman.com site or um, bsgmeetingsllc.com, and you'll find it very, very simple to sign up. But we still have five cabins left. So get on there and let's hang out. We're going to be on there for uh, about nine days. Uh, so I think we'll, we'll be able to connect. Now, when it comes to knees, um, I've, I've got a pretty big personal interest in here. I was 30 years old, single dad, and literally I was run over by a car, okay, breaking both my knees, lengthways tibial fractures. And, and uh, about five years before that, I shattered my knee by falling off a building. So I've had some knee injuries. Uh, now, at this injury, um, I figure I had four operations, and I was still hurting. I know it sounds sounds odd, but I mean, you got to figure the medical doctors, they saved my life. They, they, it was just absolute miracles. Uh, but afterwards, operation after operation, I was still hurting and it became less and less stable. So I went to chiropractic college uh, because, I mean, I was a contractor. It was hard for me to work. And I learned about anatomy. And it was interesting because some doctors would say, well, you can, um, body is self-healing, it's self-regulating, you'll regenerate the knees. The medical world was saying, don't worry about it, we'll make you comfortable, and you will be able to replace the knees when you get older. And so since I got into anatomy and physiology, I ended up tutoring it. And I dissected hundreds of knees, looked at the structures, how it, how it worked. Um, and I found out that a lot of the information that was given is not accurate. It's not accurate and it's not correct. So let's go over this. When you're looking at the knee joint, okay, it doesn't work like a hinge. It works like a screw. That means on the inside part of the knee, it moves twice as much. It just pivots on the outside. Now, some doctors will say it's avascular, which means there's no blood vessels. And that's not true because since it's a weight-bearing joint, the parts that are under a, a massive compressive force loading, it doesn't have blood vessels, but it's not acellular, so this is still alive. It just gets its nutrients through the synovial fluid. So we know that synovial fluid production was way, way down. 
So um, if, if that's down in, say, um, diabetes, or if you're in a chronically stressed state, you're going to have thickening of the blood, and that won't be filter out, filtering out to the joint. So just know that this meniscus is alive. And I know that sounds odd, but we're going to have a number of illustrations on um, the, the biomechanics and dynamics of the joint. But just know that you have ligaments on the inside, you've got ligaments on the outside, but that meniscus, the key thing to remember is that it pivots. It literally pivots on the outside. Um, and now I'm going to show a couple of x-rays tonight to make it really, really easy and understandable. And I'm going to show that meniscus can actually regenerate, and you'll see it. But also, when we're looking at the meniscus, it's not just uh, – look at that. The meniscus has more of a guide, that you have ligaments on the inside, ligaments on the outside, uh, ligaments in the middle that that guide the range of motion and guide the, the limit of it. Figure a lim ligament connects the bone to bone. And so if we have an alteration in uh, the blood flow, because all joints in the body, there are two bones coming together surrounded by a joint capsule. And that capsule is full of synovial fluid, which is a super filtrate of blood. So if the blood's not healthy, or you're in a stress state, it can't filter out through that membrane. Uh, now I'm going to show a couple of before and afters where you can actually see that the meniscus regenerate, which is pretty cool. Uh, but also, let's look at the dynamics of the knee. It's not just a joint. You've got um, the, the quadricep, which is the big muscle on the front of the thigh that guides the action of the patella. That quadricep is controlled by nerves that come out of the low back. So if you have a pinch nerve or abnormal firing of that quadricep, that means that patella isn't going to be tracking the way it should. And we call that abnormal patellar or abhorrent patellar tracking. And so when you look at how that kneecap should glide up and down the, um, the, the, the pathway there, it should be literally um, in the middle. And if it's off to one side or the other, you're going to have an abhorrent firing or it's not going to be functioning correctly. Uh, and now on the bottom of the knee or below the knee, we have a big muscle on the back of the calf called the gastrocnemius. Now, there's two halves of that, the right and the left. Uh, however, underneath it, there's the soleus, and the soleus has veins in there that's an actual pump. We call it the soleus pump. And what that means is that every time you move your foot, you have this, this um, pump that opens and closes that allows fluid to flow in and pump out from the foot back up to the heart. So if the soleus pump isn't working right, you're talking you got decreased blood flow to the knee, and then that's decreased synovial fluid production. So when we look at all of the tendons, all the tendons around that area, that means every muscle crosses joints via a tendon. And around those tendons are sacs called bursa sacs. And the bursa sacs are full of bursa fluid, which is a super filtrate of blood. Now, if those bursa sacs um, get decreased blood flow, 
then the sacs themselves start to create friction. And that will cause bursitis. And itis means inflammation. Now, the problem is you may have heard bursitis in the shoulder, bursitis in the elbow, bursitis in the knee. In barbarian world, they actually tell people to use ice on the joints, which will decrease blood flow. It'll make the swelling uh, more comfortable, but it's not going to fix the problem. So when we're looking at bursitis, you want to use moist heat because the wetter, the better, the deeper the penetration when it comes to heat. And that moist heat will rush blood to the air. Because think of this. If you put a hot cloth on your arm and take it away, what color is the arm? It's red because your brain senses that difference in temperature and rushes blood to the area. Now, it's interesting. Out of the Journal of Clinical Orthopedic and Trauma, uh, and this is out of uh, 2018. The title of the article is Meniscal Repair and Regeneration, Current Strategies and Future Perspectives. I've got to bring this article up because a lot of doctors are still under the impression today that meniscus can't be regenerated. And it's mind-blowing to think that, that a doctor working on pH patients doesn't have a sense of awe or wonderment that this body, which is divinely inspired, and it's always designed to regenerate tissue. Uh, so let me lead a quote. Quote, historically, the meniscus were considered to be functionless vestigial structures that one should entirely be removed once damaged. However, in 1948, uh, Fairbank reported that the degenerative changes were observed after men uh, meniscectomy suggesting that the changes were due to the loss of weight-bearing function of the meniscus. Now, in the 80s, they started to look at meniscus as joint stabilizer, shock absorber. Um, however, the <laughs> removal of the meniscus to remove the damaged, unstable portion of the meniscus has still been the gold standard of surgical treatment for meniscal tears. Uh, since there has never been, according to this article, an effective therapeutic method for development um, of such tears. Now, the reason is there's two zones uh, according to anatomy and physiology. The red zone is the vascular zone. And this means it's on the lip of it. And when you look at meniscus, it looks kind of like uh, Tupperware, only thick, thick Tupperware. Now, the outside that, that doesn't have the massive compressive force loading in it and this is 80% uh, of this uh, is composition is by dry weight and because it gets its nutrients through the blood vessels. Now, uh, what's interesting, the white zone, and this is also called the avascular zone. Uh, this is 40% of this tissue is dry weight. However, 60% is type 2 collagen. So this is it's very, very dense, dense tissue. Now, what's interesting about the avascular, avascular means no blood vessels. It's not acellular. That means that the cells in this have to take in nutrients, produce proteins, and eliminate waste products. So the meniscus is where the weight-bearing portion is, where that femur pushes down on that top of the tibia. Those cells are alive. Now, I'm going to bring up a couple of um, case studies. One of them, a 45-year-old gal 
uh, who, I mean, literally um, came in with a nine degree buckling of the spine and knee problems or knee symptoms. And when you see this, her knee are fine. Uh, however, when we look at the knee, remember, it's not just the knee. You got to look at, at the knee, the patellar tracking, the calf muscle, the biomechanics of the foot, and the pelvic and the lumbar area, because the third lumbar supplies the knee. And if you have compromised blood supply or nerve supply to that knee, you're not going to get healthy function. And uh, sure enough, this gal had a significant lateral deviation at L3, and that was caused in some of the symptoms. Okay, now one thing, I'm going to try and uh, take a collar, which this has not worked out in the past real well, but let me try it now. Let's see if we can get this guy on. Can, can you hear me, caller? Hello? Hello? Yep, it didn't work out in the past before either. Okay. Thanks for calling. <laughs> okay. I'd love to have, have a switchboard and have somebody call. That would be really cool. Uh, so we could have a dialogue, but I guess it's pretty scary when somebody just says hello and you go, oh, my goodness. Um, I'll, I'll work out the call thing eventually in the future. So the key is when presented with a knee problem, do not look at the or a knee symptom. It is only a knee symptom, not a knee problem. It is impossible to just have a knee problem because if you are limping on one side, you're going to be leaning off to the other side. That means if you have a pinched nerve or damage or pain or whatever on the right knee, the left gluteus medius will spasm out because that's the main hip stabilizer for the opposite side. And when we're looking at knees, there is always going to be a lumbar or pelvic component. Absolutely. So when we're looking at this, um, we have another gal, and this, this gal is 65 years old, with a 17-degree buckling of the spine. Now, think of this. If you have a trauma to the spine where it runs off to the side, you, is, are you going to be walking straight or are you going to be walking a little crooked? You're going to be walking a little crooked, and that's going to destabilize the pelvis. So if the pelvis is unstable, that's going to alter the nerve supply, biomechanics, everything to that joint. So to work on a knee without correcting the surrounding structures will never be helpful. And going back to the Journal of Clinical Orthopedic and Trauma, Quote, loss of appropriate loading of an injury could thus contribute to the progressive deterioration uh, of the injured tissue. Let, let me read that again. Loss of appropriate loading after an injury could thus contribute to the progressive deterioration of the injured tissue. And so what that means is when you've had a trauma, you're going to be altering the mechanics. And this means the person's going to be initially after trauma, leaning off to take force loading off. Instead of having a full range of motion, they're going to be limiting how they put the forces on there, on that knee. And all of these cause the joint to change its biomechanics. It literally changes that. So in order to correct a knee injury, you've got to restore the overall biomechanics. You can't just be looking at that one area. 
Uh, we're going to have another picture here of, or an x-ray, of a 75-year-old guy with right knee pain and, of course, left hip damage. Because remember, if you have dysfunction at one joint at one side, the opposite side fires off to take the stress off. So think of this. If you're standing on your left leg and your right leg is up in the air, kind of like a, um, a flamingo, that left gluteus medius is going to be firing off to stabilize and take pressure off of that right side. So it's very dynamic. You cannot look at knee injuries as solely with the knee. And so let's look at this. You pivot on the outside of the knee. And this is a round circular area. So now if you were to take the knee and just split it right um, halfway through the middle, so you have the tibia in one side, the femur in the other, and the tibia is the one that, that is on the lower portion of the knee. It's actually called the tibial plateau. You could see a circle in there, and that circle is on the outside edge. That's where that femur pivots. So when you bend your knee, it looks like it's a hinge. It looks like it's just bending, opening, and closing. But it's not. It's actually twisting twice as much on the inside as it is on the outside. And this is also why most knee braces are inappropriate. Because if you're wearing a knee brace that, that stabilizes the knee and limits the motion of the knee, uh, it should be a double hinge on the inside of the knee and a single hinge on the outside because the medial aspect moves twice as much. And what's amazing is tissue, if it's damaged, can repair. I, I, know, I know. I hope you're sitting down because you're going to go, oh, my gosh, really? Can torn tissue really repair? Absolutely. Uh, now, here's the problem. If you damaged the knee, you've changed the force loading on the knee. And this means that the tissue, when it's going to repair, it's going to repair abnormally. So the way to repair the tissue is first, first, and this is huge. This is how you repair and regenerate meniscus. You have to correct the problem first. So first, you've got to stabilize the pelvis, restore the nerve supply to the knee, and this means there's going to be some lower lumbar or upper lumbar issues. Uh, and then uh, you have to look at the calf muscle because you have to restore that motion of that soleus pump so you can make sure that the blood's flowing there. And then since the foot is a coiled spring, if you have altered mechanics of the foot, like bunion formation or, or flattening of the feet, that's going to alter the gait and that's going to alter the force loading on the knee. So remember that article that we just read, it said first there's a trauma, then there's abnormal force loading. And that abnormal force loading causes the degeneration. And I'll tell you right now, even though they call it degeneration, it's not degeneration. It's actually an adaptation. It means the bone and cartilage and meniscus is all going to remodel based on the force loading. So what we want to do to regenerate the cartilage, and this is hugely important, is distract it. But you don't want to do the distraction before you've restored the blood supply, nerve supply, and you've corrected the problem in the first place. It's not going to do any harm. And in fact, it might do a lot of good just to distract that joint. Now, how do we distract it? Uh, so this is hugely important. What you do is you put an ankle weight on. Now, if you are full-grown, 
strong guy, you might want to put 20 pounds per leg. And you want to put a weight on both legs, one on the, on the affected side and the unaffected side. Why? Because your gait is changed. What does the gait change mean? That means there's an abnormal force loading on the knee joint. What does that abnormal force leaning do? It changes and causes the meniscus and bone to remodel. So we're doing the the weights on both legs to change the brain's awareness because we got to totally change the gait and how you walk. And because we're not going to fix the knee and have you walk funky again because that's just going to remodel the joint in the negative. So if you're a full-grown man, 20 pounds per leg is going to be fine. If you're a smaller framed human being, 10 pounds per leg. I wouldn't go less than 10 pounds because we need enough force loading to distract that knee. And that's going to be vitally important because what we want to do is cause inflammation. And I know what you're saying. Cause inflammation? Yes, cause inflammation. Inflammation is how the body regenerates. So what we want to do is distract it. But think of this. So you're sitting on a bench. Your leg is going straight down, okay? So your leg is bent at 90 degrees. And you've got it between a 10 and a 20-pound weight per leg. Now, I just want you to dangle. But dangling is totally different than living your le- lifting your leg because we don't want to extend your legs. We just want to dangle. Think like a pendulum on the clock. So it's just swinging back and forth really, really gently. But now we're going to change the gait. So we want to get both halves of the brain to fire off correctly. So you're going to be swinging your legs one out, one goes back, one out, one goes back. So you're alternating. Now, if the knee has been damaged for a long time, you're going to have balance issues. So when you're swinging your legs, and I just want you to dangle it. We don't want to fire off that quadricep to drive the kneecap into it. You just want to dangle it. You're going to do it between 5 and 10 minutes, and it's going to be passive. Now, if you want to get real good, you're going to dangle with moist heat. And so you've got the distractive force. You put um, hot pack on the knee. That's going to rush blood to the knee. And that's going to start to allow blood to flow in there and distract the joint, which is creating inflammation. So you're literally rushing blood to the area, changing the force loading on it. And just like that article says, if you alter the force loading, you alter the force loading on that meniscus. And since it's more natural, you can regenerate it. I know what you're thinking. It can't be that simple, but it is. Uh, Now, you've got to restore, but it's so important for you to understand that it's not just the knee. Anybody that thinks a knee problem and they're working on just the knee without stabilizing the pelvis, without correcting the, the, the calf muscle, without correcting the biomechanics of the foot, without restoring the nerve supply, the knee will not get better. I mean, we could talk about, I mean, that's, that's just people not trained in biomechanics or neurology. And there's a lot out there, but the completely crazy ones will give you a non-struggle anti-inflammatory. And there's going to be Advil, Motrin, Aleve. Um, a Tylenol is in a different category because nobody knows how that one works. But all of these drugs destroy the building block of cartilage or proteoglycan production. So treating a knee problem with something that destroys the body's ability to build cartilage is not smart. 
What's the opposite of not smart? Or how would you say that? It's crazy. Okay, and particularly if you're trying to help these people, you don't want to give them a drug that's toxic and poisonous that, that destroys their body's ability to regenerate healthy tissue. So we want comfort. And how do we get comfort? So when you're repairing a knee, so we're going to go over tonight on how to stretch the calf, restore foot mechanics, stabilize the pelvis, correct that. But let's just look at the knee. So do you remember those knee socks that, foot, that basketball players used to wear? They'd cover their whole calf. Well, go buy a sporting goods store and get a couple of those, a couple pair. What you're going to do is cut the, the toes off of the sock so you can pull the rest of that sock all the way up so it's above and below the knee. And then on top of the sock, because your knee is going to sweat, you want to get the cheapest knee support you can. And I'm talking just Velcro, um, so you can put it on the outside. It's easy to put on. You don't need to take your shoes to put it off or on. You don't want any supports on the side because all we want is to create a back pressure on the synovial capsule and to generate heat. <clears throat> that means if you're generating um, heat and, the, and what's, what is heat going to do? Think of this. If you put a hot cloth on the joint and take it away, what color is the joint? Oh, it's red. That's because the brain senses that difference in temperature and increases blood flow to that joint in order to increase synovial fluid production, which is going to, it's going to make the knee feel better. Okay, but it's also going to get nutrients to the knee to actually help the metabolic responses so the knee can regenerate. So, and it, it again, it's going to sound too simple, but first, take an x-ray of the knee and look at patellar tracking. Take an x-ray of the low back and make sure you're taking bending films of the low back. Uh, look at the pelvis. If the sacral iliac joint is inflamed, then you're going to need to stabilize it. And this is going to be, again, hugely important. So you've got, you've got the knee joint um, that you're looking at, but then look at the biomechanics of the feet. Look at the biomechanics of, of the pelvis. Look at all of that. And then once you've restored the calf, and I'm going to show a very, very simple stretch of the calf where you just put your ball of your foot on a block of wood and stretch the calf, maintaining the, the tension for about one minute, a couple times a day. Um, now we're going to walk with it. We're going to work with it. So you want the cheapest Velcro or neoprene knee support. Neoprene is like wetsuit material. And you're going to pull that half sock up underneath because your knee is going to sweat. It's going to perspire. And we want that. We want blood rushing to the area so that we can increase synovial fluid production so we have the available nutrients so the meniscus can repair. You put that, that pressure on and um, walk around. And it's going to be amazing. Now, if your knee starts to get irritated throughout the day, you can take that off if it gets too warm. But also, if you're just standing up walking and it starts to tighten up or bind up, you can do leg swinging exercises. Hey, you know what? We have two minutes left. I'm going to try and we have one more caller. I'm going to try and pull up the caller to see if I can talk to him. Hello, are you there? Can you hear me? Nope. Don't think they can hear me yet. Okay. 
well, try it again, and I'll keep trying. <laughs> Someday I'll get the collar thing worked out. So hugely important when you're looking for pain relief, pain relief, um, look at uh, soluble fibers like green vegetable juice. Look at omega-3s uh, in liquid form. Fantastic. Look at direct application of heat. Okay, look at and all of this stuff will cause the pain to get um, better. But also look at other things that you can do to stabilize the pelvis, to maintain the integrity of that. Because honestly, if if your knee is malfunctioning, uh, you're gonna and your gait is malfunctioning, the bladder won't work right, the pelvis won't work right. There's going to be a huge number of dysfunctions. So knee problems can can lead to pregnancy issues, uh, leg pain, sexual dysfunction, bladder dysfunction. Uh, I mean, you just have to get this corrected, but look at all the biomechanics available. Now, make sure that you get um, on our Facebook. It's going to be live tonight, and it's going to be posted on YouTube. Uh, and also, too, man, if you have the time in April and you want to hang out for about 10 days, go to the drjohnbergman.com site and sign up for the cruise in April. April 14th to 23rd. And if you have the ways, spend a couple extra days in either Athens or, or all the surrounding countries. I mean, it's, it's just going to be a ball. This is Dr. John Bergman, your health advocate. God bless you, and I love you. And <laughs> hopefully next time I'll, I'll give a shot to see if I can if I can talk with callers and pick up callers, had some technical difficulties this time. God bless you, and I love you. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo, and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.